Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The tennis season has started. Yes, it and has. so must we. So happy about it. barreling forward into a new season without me being comfortable with the next. I don't know. I feel like everyone needs more of a time off than this. Well, it's funny because uh, I... Uh, and uh, hello, welcome everybody to the <laughs> podcast, by the way. Um, I have to... It's funny because I read a tweet from Tommy Paul yesterday that said, ugh, the season is... I don't, don't know verbatim, but it was basically him saying, the season is so long, but I'm so ready to start again. Because... <laughs> You know, tennis players don't like to be idle too long. They're ready to go. Yeah, um, it's like rest versus rest. You don't want to be too yeah, and, and rusty. They love playing tennis. Sure. Yeah. I mean, look at Venus Williams. She's just given another wild card at the Australian Open and going to New Zealand at 41 years of age. 42? Is she 42 yet? Yeah, um, she is 42. Just unbelievable that she wants to keep playing and enjoy it. And anyone who gives her shit about taking a wild card or gives any tournament shit for her taking a wild card... You need to really consider never following tennis ever again. <laughs> I was really um, turned on to that line of thinking by the guys at the Body Serve, who basically said, "There's nobody but the player who can make a decision about when they retire and whatever terms that they want to retire on." Yeah. After winning their last match, after winning a big title, like somebody like Ash Barty. After tumbling down the rankings and barely making it on the Challenger Tour. doesn't matter. It's not up to us. It's up to them. Yeah. And ever since then, I was like, you know what? Venus Williams, as long as she gets wild cards and likes showing up, traveling with her dog, doing the whole thing, she can do whatever she wants. And some people were like, particularly in Australia, they're like, oh, wouldn't it be great? You know, you should be giving it to a young Aussie or a young player that's trying to make... I said, do you know how many young Aussies get wild cards every single year at the Australian Open and literally barely win games? Like, it's nothing against them. And it's the same at the US Open, same at Wimbledon. Same with the French. Same with the French. Yep. You know, you give them to... Because you're like, oh, who are we going to give them to? We've got, like, seven to give out. Yeah. You know, we have eight, but, you know, a, a lot of... A couple of really good players, like Storm Sanders is getting one from Australia, who's barely outside of getting into the main draw on her own and represented Australia so well um, at the Billie Jean King Cup, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, there are some players that really deserve it uh, just outside of getting into the main draw from that country. Yeah. But there are also some that have gotten like six wild cards over the last six years and they haven't done anything with their career. So right. as far as I'm concerned, if Venus Williams wants to get a wild card into any tournament forever and a day, including Andy Murray, people give him shit as well for taking wild cards. Um, they can have as many as they want. They put more bums in seats. Right. And than that's anyone the thing. Else. The 
spectators want to see them, and the young players, almost without exception, talk about what an honor it is to share the court with somebody it's, like Andy Murray. Can you what imagine? an honor it is to hit balls with Venus Williams. Yeah. That's so cool to say, even if you're, especially if you're young, especially if you're 18, 19 years old, to trade rallies with Venus yeah. Williams, age 42. Hey, listen. That's so cool. You can say you overlapped with one of the greatest of all time. That's amazing. I played Steffi Graf and Gabriella Sammartini in the very first time I played the Australian That's Open so cool. in the first round in doubles. Can you believe <laughs> my luck? That's neat. How unlucky that was. Uh, but at the same time, oh my God, what a treat for yeah, me as totally. a 17 year old getting a wild card into the doubles. And, uh, and I got one into the singles. Yes, I did. But guess what? I won a round. Hey, I beat right. Andrea Temesvari, which is a pretty good win back then. But um, I think I beat her. Maybe I lost to her. I don't know. It was a long time ago. But you won a round. But I did win a round. Yeah. So, you know, to play Gabby and Steffi on court one, it was. It was packed. It was awesome. So, listen, um, Venus, I'm glad you're going. I'm glad you got another wild card. But let's get on to... The actual Australian Open from last year, or this year still, it's still not quite 23. This is a good moment because this technically is our last show of the year, but it will also serve as our first show of the next year because like the tennis, we have now shifted our attention to Australia yep. and we are now in a sort of stock-taking moment. We're looking back on the best stuff that happened this year, which hopefully will give us a good prediction, preview, you know, a little teaser, if you will, about what's to come. And based on this past year of tennis, I am very, very... When I get my head into this, which I will in a few days, um, it's going to be incredible because what a great year we had. It was amazing. Let's start at the Australian Open because, um, you know, the run of Rafael Nadal at the start of the year was just absolutely incredible. And, of course, it was just started out with some amazing matches down there. I, I remember sitting in the, in the president's box, actually, uh, one day. Um, I got an invite in there. And I wasn't working, and I got to watch Rafa play. You're, you're Canadian. Um, um, Dennis Shapovalov. Dennis Shapovalov. That match was absolutely enthralling. It was incredible. And then he just dug so deep through every single match. And then the match against Medvedev, to me, is equal best match of the year, maybe slightly behind one we're going to get into later. But the fact that he was down two sets to love, 2-3, love 40. Okay, so if he loses one point there... And I watched it again last week, and you know, honestly, Medvedev had major chances to win those three points. Played some pretty bad, not great tennis in those love 40 points. If he'd gone 4-2 and served to go 5-2, the match was over. I actually thought the match was over. I was sitting in Melbourne watching it, and I was like, oh well. You know, it was, he almost got there, because the second set took it out of him so much physically that I didn't think he was gonna last five sets. And he wins a point at love 40, and he literally looks up at his crowd the crowd and his boxing goes vamos and i'm like oh my god only this guy would care this much at like 2 3 15 40 <laughs> but god love him he wins the game comes back gets to serve for the match at 5 4 in the fifth loses his serve takes the ball out of his pocket throws it back to the ball kid shakes his head and is like oh god here we go again i'm gonna lose another strain open up a break in the fifth which he's done twice yeah once against novak once against roger and he said that in the press. He actually thought about those matches, which wow. I find so remarkable. Me too. Usually thinking about those moments of past defeat has a, mo- has a way of taking you out of the moment and being negative. But yeah, it sounds like it motivated him in the opposite way. And also you don't think that Rafa thinks negatively. But that just right. shows you that even he, who looks like he's so you know, committed. committed and focused, is also thinking negative thoughts. But that's the difference between the greats. Everybody thinks negatively. It's how then they quickly turn it around. Yeah, how do you and respond? he said... 
that I thought that and then I said, but I'm still here and he has to beat me and I'm going to make him beat me now. He has to beat me. And actually Medvedev played a horrific game at 5-all. He really <laughs> yeah, did. He did not play a great game right. at 5-all. And of course Rafa got the break and then served it out. You, weren't, you knew that he was not going to fuck it up the second time serving yeah. for it and he played an amazing game at 6-5. So to me that was one of the most incredible comebacks I've ever seen in tennis. Um, particularly when Medvedev was playing so well. And I that mean, was the second Grand Slam final in a row for Medvedev, who yeah. won and he incredibly crushed. well at the US Open last year against yeah, Novak. crushed Novak going for the calendar Grand Slam. So, I mean, everyone thought, okay, well, this is now the time for Medvedev. Right. You know, and subsequently, he didn't even think about talking about Medvedev, but he really has struggled he didn't since have a great that year. loss. Right. I think that loss actually really affected him in a way that... I don't know if anyone's ever asked him in press, but I think that that loss really did affect him. So I, we're really not going to talk about him at all this yeah, year. Yeah, it's true. He didn't really make much of a run this year. Maybe late in the year. I remember he had a good run in Paris. But other than that, he mm-hmm. was kind of a non-factor, Mm-mm. which again, for somebody who had won the US Open the year before with such he was decisive... the best player in the world at the time. Totally, by a good margin. And he just kind of had a collapse after that fifth set. I mean, it's really interesting that the way that one match can sort of affect your season, right? 1,000%. I think that Novak losing, uh, Roger losing that final to, to uh, Novak at Wimbledon, yeah. I think that was the end of his career. To me, it was the most amazing, amazing match and tournament, and to see Rafa that happy when he won was incredible. We also had an amazing story on the women's side. Uh, it was Ash Barty. the kind of crowning achievement, what ended up being sort of the pinnacle of Ash Barty's career. She had a short career, all in, all Twice. considered, two times. <laughs> Cumul- cumulatively, she didn't spend that much time playing professional tennis, but, man, did she make it count. When she did, she made it count. Uh, interesting that she's released a couple of articles lately. She's going to be doing a bit of work for Tennis Australia, I think, during the Australian Open. Um, but she said that the, she's enjoying her life. Not that I'm surprised. She's playing plenty of golf. Drinking plenty of beer, I'd say. Um, but I think mostly she's... The only thing that she's a little bit confused about is what do I do in my day? Because, you know, as a tennis player, as an athlete, professional athlete, and anyone who has a job, I mean, you really have... You get up in the day and you have yeah. purpose. Right. And so I think it's... She's struggling with a little bit of finding purpose in her yeah. life. I'm sort point. of surprised she hasn't turned into a professional golfer at well, this point. Well, maybe she Just because she's played a few pro-am tournaments and... Yeah, I mean, they say Listen, anybody who retires, your your health and your mental capacity declines almost immediately because you kind of run out of things to do with yourself. Very hard to be a professional golfer as well. And even if she's a scratch golfer, which she basically is, it's very hard. So it is possible. There is actually a couple of Marty Fish, obviously, is a great golfer. But there's a, and Marty will be the first to tell you, it's very different to being a great, a really good golfer. Well, tennis is an actual great. sport, so I can imagine the difficulties are married. Golf is a game. It's a game. It's a very hard game. Golf is a game. Um... That, just on that note uh, about the Australian Open, before we get off it, clearly we can't not talk about what happened to Novak at the start of the year. Oh, my God. And it's listen, so hard to imagine that this time last year, everybody was glued to their screens, almost without exception, watching the drama of whether Novak Djokovic was going to be allowed to stay in Australia or mm-hmm. not would unfold. And I know that you have your thoughts on this subject. It's just so frustrating as an American-based tennis fan having to resort to the tennis channel as your main source of tennis news and coverage. And granted, ESPN, which has slam coverage here in the U.S., and they currently have three or four, although that's changing, as we all know, their job is to show the matches. But everything else, everything that happens week in, week out, that is not at a slam, including drama with international borders, heads of state, the Serbian president, the Australian president... 
demonstrations in the streets, all of the stuff that engulfed this Novak Djokovic, will he or won't he get into the country drama, was absolutely nowhere to be found on, on tennis, tennis channel. channel. I was shocked because you know where it was to be found? CNN, CNN. MSNBC. Fox News, Al Jazeera, BBC. Literally, you could not swing a dead cat in this country without seeing this story on TV. It was an international incident, and nobody told the Tennis Channel because all they had was Paul Anacone droning on about match predictions for a tournament that was 10 days out in the future. It was like nobody told them that their job was to talk about tennis in all contexts. It could not have been more baffling to me when you had journalists, great journalists, thoughtful journalists, tennis journalists, but also general purpose journalists, in all of these places, ready to talk. I want body language experts. I want heat maps. I want psychics. I want cameras I mean, on. This is where your journalistic uh, uh, like background and life just drives you crazy, that there are not more journalists, quote-unquote, in tennis, doing stories about tennis. I mean, from look, we could talk about this forever. Like we, You talk about the Novak situation. You talk about the Zverev situation. You talk about Nick Kyrgios, who's literally going to court in February yes. in Australia. It's not being talked about at all in the ether of the tennis world. And a lot of it is because you don't want to piss off the players. You want them to come and do their press. You want them to come and do interviews and all that sort of stuff. Well, that's fine. But there also has to be a part where they rely on being on television as well. So if they want to get their name out there, they still have to go to Tennis Channel. They still have to go to ESPN. Completely right. You can decide whether you set the agenda or you let the agent set it for you. My personal hero, Mary Carrillo, once told me that... She felt like there was a line in the sand covering sports and you could either decide that you set the agenda or you could let the, the stars set it for you. And if you did the latter, you were always at the beck and call of the agents. You lost your moral authority. And I think anybody who actually appreciates journalism sees where that gets us. Yeah. I think you can have a robust conversation about domestic violence. I think you can have a robust conversation about vaccination policies and none of this hurts the sport in fact it makes it more interesting more relevant and more plugged into the rest of the world and so treating it as this like you know fragile topic that nobody's allowed to breach evidenced by the fact that tennis channel missed the their own biggest story um is something i'd like to see change i don't have a ton of faith that tennis channel is going to be the one to change it but if anybody well i mean you did think with someone like john wartheim working for them i mean john's a great journalist for I sure mean, he gets to this the bottom of the piles of stuff and you know instead now he's doing 60 minutes I right. think, come on you've got a guy that's working on 60 minutes you if think he, he can, can get do, to the bottom of that story if he can do investigative journalism for 60 minutes they should be letting him do it on the tennis channel and hopefully he's pushing to do it himself yeah well, we'll see we'll see i mean i know one thing i am not an investigative journalist and i was on more friggin networks talking about novak djokovic's vaccination status and covid and blah 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 and i'm not a journalist but i bloody tried to get the information I and could. you did you got it right and i will tell you and um, for the record, I thought the way that Novak was treated in Australia it was absolutely abominable. It was. It was atrocious. Um, you, you can say what you want about Novak. You can be on his side or not on his side. We know he has very, very aggressive fans. Uh, we've had to deal with them on many occasions. <laughs> but um, whether or not you believe that he had COVID or not is not the issue. He was allowed into the country yeah. under the... They changed the rules on him. They changed the rules Period. on him. Uh, Vorakova was in the country, had played a tennis tournament already under the same auspice as him, the same paperwork as him. And as I said, you know, you can, you can say what you will. He should have been allowed in the country. And it was a political statement that they made the Australian government because in March they were having an, a, a 
the Australian government were having an election mm-hmm. and they were, they felt that the polls said that people did not want Novak there. And so they went with that. So they screwed him on that. And, you know, it's nice to see him back in Australia. Yeah, it's uh, not it's, an issue this year. It's not an issue. Is. And I'm sure he's going to be talked about. He's going to have to ask a lot of... Be, he's going to be asked a lot of questions over the next month about it. But he's already said that he's happy to be there and he's relieved. Well, um, listen, so. if there's one thing we know about Novak Djokovic, it's controversy or being in the sort of crosshairs of a lot of controversy does not seem to no, it slow doesn't him down. I think it'll actually... I think he's going to... He's going to be very motivated. I think he's going to have a phenomenal year. Well, he had a, he had a phenomenal end of the year last year. Finaled in a bunch of the indoor tournaments, and he ended up winning in two neat sets against Casper Ruud yep. in the ATP Tour Finals. Not a super close match, and Ruud had a great season. And Rene, of course, won the weeks before in Paris in the final, which was an incredible run. And Rene, of course, won the you know uh, newcomer of the year phenomenally made the top 10 so that's going to be interesting to see where he goes uh this year and what kind of a run he can make yeah and you think about what Alcaraz did at 19 and Rune is right there Rune beat Alcaraz well he didn't really beat him he had to stop in the middle of the match with that injury um but it's going to be so fun let's hope that Rune and Alcaraz beat up on each other as much as Roger Rafa and Novak over 15 years I know as much as you hate the length of these great players (laughs) I'm going to be you excited. Want a new dynasty. They play so similarly. They're unbelievable athletes. They hit the shit out of the ball, the both of them. I think as long as you include Sinner in that trio, oh, yeah. I'll be excited because I like the uh, Absolutely. tripartite <clears throat> differential between the playing styles. That, yeah. for me, is really fun. Okay, we skip to the French Open, yep. um, where R- Rafa wins his 14th. I mean, they're just... I cannot even believe those words are coming out of my mouth. And when he won 10, which... Novak has a chance to do in Australia. I was like, this is just insane. When you think about the record of Pete Sampras's amount of Grand Slam victories, right? And the fact that Ruff has won more than Pete won in every single category it's of a Grand Slam. Mind-boggling. It's just unbelievable. He crushed Novak in the quarterfinals. Um, and uh, probably the best fourth set or probably the best set of tennis anyone's ever watched in the entire in their entire lives was the fourth set <laughs> of that French Open that's quite a statement I, I mean it was uh, everyone oh that was the match of the year I'm like calm the farm it wasn't the best match it was the best set of tennis I've ever watched in the fourth set when yeah. Rafa ended up winning it in four um, and then that just gave him the confidence to go on and win the tournament although you know we Zverev was giving him a tough time Zverev of course Rolled his ankle very severely in that match. It's kept it him off most of the rest of the year. All the, all the year. I mean, he's, he's just coming back now. in the end of the off season. But I, I don't. I think Zverev was playing very, very well. I don't think he, there was any chance he wins that match. He oh. lost the first set and oh. he was starting know. to choke. Okay. Well, that's. Yeah. But, hey, hey, listen, we'll never know. We'll, we'll be able to see him we'll back never, in action now. We'll never know. But, but yeah, Rafa at the French was. I mean, it's it's such a crazy. It's such a foregone conclusion now, but it goes without saying that. 14 is mind-boggling. It's just outrageous. And um, we had an incredible effort from Iga, yeah, who yeah. really not only cemented her status as somebody who was pretty much unbeatable on clay, but also somebody who was going to be pretty much unbeatable for the 
rest of the year on almost any surface. I mean, what she did by, you know, I saw her in the parking lot in Miami when Ash Barty had announced her retirement and that therefore, um, and pulling herself off the ranking list and therefore Eager would go to number one the next week. And I saw her that day in the parking lot and I saw Daria, her sports psychologist and her, and I said, how's she doing? And she kind of looked at me like, oh, you know, like, I don't know if I'm ready for this quite yet. Yeah. Well, hell, was she ever ready She's for She's now it? ready. She wins Indian Wells. She then wins Miami. She wins every tournament leading up to the French Open. She dusted Naomi Osaka. Dusted everyone. In the finals of Miami. I yeah. mean, everybody was like, oh, finally, my Naomi Osaka decided to show up and play some tennis this year. Nope. Nope. Got dusted. Half um, a set against Iga, maybe. Iga went from a 30, on a 37-match win streak, which is the longest since the year 2000. It's okay, incredible. 22 years it took someone to win that many matches, and the last person to do it was Venus Williams, which is why she deserves a World Cup. Are you ready for a New Year's reset? If your holiday season was anything like mine, I'm guessing the answer is yes. Let us introduce you to Sakara. Sakara's organic meals are nutritionally designed to support your goals so you can get the results you want in the new year and beyond. Also, helpfully, they are delicious, which makes it that much easier to commit to yourself. Sakara delivers science-backed, plant-rich nutrition programs and wellness essentials right to your door. Their ready-to-eat meals are nutritionally designed to deliver results from weight management and eased bloat to boosted energy and clearer skin. Right now, Sakara is offering our listeners 20% off their first order when they go to sakara.com slash racket or enter the code racket at checkout, R-A-C-Q-U-E-T at checkout. That's sakara, S-A-K-A-R-A.com slash racket to get 20% off your first order sakara.com slash racket a lot can happen in three years like a chatbot may be your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance united healthcare tri-term medical plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states learn more at uh1.com Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Um, but, uh, that was just phenomenal. She's never, she hasn't, she's not real comfortable on grass. We'll see where she goes next year. I do have a bet on with her. If she makes the semis or better at Wimbledon, I get a nice gift. Oh, just a gift of any type. I'm not going to say which it is, but you Um, know, but I know what it is. Okay. It's like a steak dinner. No, it's better than that. Um, cause you know, I told her she's got to be a free psychological session. No, with Daria, no. Um, it, it, I'll show it to you uh, if she gets there. So well, listen, there's always everyone out there. Pull for eager to make the semi feel better at Wimbledon uh, this coming year. Well, that's one of the most exciting things about noting a player really at the top of her game, considering what Ego went on to do for the rest of the year. But also, 
knowing that there's still more ceiling, right? Oh, like God. there's still such room a for ceiling. her to improve. There's still more room for she her to get better. She bitched and moaned at the, at the US Open about the balls and was not happy, was not playing well there. And guess what she does? She ends up winning the tournament. She won the tournament pretty handily in the finals against Ons Jubber, but she got better match after match after match. Like that was the other thing. Unbelievable. She started off a little creaky, but then by the time she was in the semis finals, she was... I mean, she was just a level above everybody else, which is saying a lot because I think in the later stages of that tournament in particular, you had... Garcia playing off her mind. Garcia place. played off her mind. Ons was looking pretty unstoppable. Coco Goff made a, another great, great late run, which let's pause for a second since we're talking about the French at the moment and just say Coco Goff, somebody who'd made her first Grand Slam final. Yeah. In singles and doubles. In both singles you. and doubles. Made the tour finals top eight singles and Incredible. doubles. Yeah. And she has so much room to grow. She's gotten so much better. And there's so much more So much more room, room to go. To improve. Oof, it's just forehand. Once she gets that forehand organized and confident, she will definitely be the player to beat in the next like three years. But she's got to get that forehand under control and the and the serve. There's there's kinks in the serve that I don't like as well. So if she can square away those two, the serve and the forehand, whoa, she's going to have an amazing and the, career. And she's already incredible. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, and, you know, I want to give props while we're at it to Jessica Pagula, her doubles partner in the finals of the French Open. What an amazing year, mate. The top, I mean, three in the world, number three in the world. I think about where she was three years ago during the pandemic, couldn't even get an invitation into this Charleston exhibition that I went down with uh, Jeannie Bouchard in. She couldn't even get in uh, on the American team to play. Um, and she was there practicing and went and played this event in Lexington, Kentucky, a money event as well. And, you know, I just think about the hours that she's put in with David Witt and what an incredible job he's done with her to get to number three in the world is absolutely unbelievable. She won wins Guadalajara, uh, her first 1,000 victory. I mean, it took her years to win a tournament. And then she won that tournament in Washington, D.C. And really with David and hasn't looked back. And so, Jess, super proud of you. Also an alum of the pod, Jessica yeah. and Ons. Um, also, I just want to shout out to Jess Pagula for having the coolest post-match press conference vibes. She really DGAF. With the beer. I mean, just generally her just, vibes. And then she, add a beer on top of it. And yeah. She's just like the person most likely to want to... Hang out at the bar, yeah. yeah got like, married this cool. year. I mean, she just had a great year. Yeah, um, no, I'm da- I'm a big Jess Pagula fan. Maybe the Bills will give her something to jumpstart her season with, yeah. and uh, make she would the like Super that. Bowl. She would like that. And then that. we'll we'll have another great Jess Pagula run. One of a few Americans who had a really really great year. I don't really go in for the nationalism stuff because that doesn't matter to me where people are from generally. But it is exciting af- after having had a bit of a dearth of exciting young talent here in the states. To have not one in Coco, several or Jess, but Francis and others, Taylor Fritz winning Indian Wells. Like we've had a, a yep. an exciting kind of young. Francis's run at the U.S. Open was unbelievable, beating Rafa, like just everything. Um, totally. So American tennis is looking really healthy yeah, and exciting. young, which and is young, good. Right. Um, I want to go to uh, just uh, as far as Wimbledon. I mean, the ban on the Russians, the Belarusians. That was, I think, a PR disaster for Wimbledon. Um, I think the ATP and WTA also handled it woefully. It was just a disaster of an uh, event in some ways because of that. But um, Rabakina, I mean, when she plays at her best, she is she takes the racket out of your hand. She's got a massive serve, um, just hits the shit out of the ball. I mean, I mean, <laughs> no. she made Eve look pretty. 
pretty average the other day um, at that event in Dubai. I know it's an exhibition. And also there's no ad, which makes a big difference because if you're a big server and a big hitter, you can sort of win games really easily. So I don't put a lot of credence in it, but, no, still, but it is still a big win. Yeah. But that was Ons to win. I thought, you know, Ons had, was probably the... I think Ons would agree with you. Yeah. Uh, but I see Ons uh, really threatening again at Wimbledon next year because she has just such variety and her drop shot is such so killer well, on My grass. hope with Ons is having seen her have a pretty good year, year before last, and a great year this year, where she very credibly could have won two Grand Slams, or at least one, because she was up in that one. So you're calling it. Well, it's also, you see, I think, players, and Pugula's another one, where they get to that level and they either panic, or they get comfortable and they say, okay, well, I deserve to be here. I expect this of myself. And my hope for her is that tennis, just watching her variety, watching her personality, watching how excited she makes the entirety of the Arab world engaged. I mean, it's kind of similar to seeing Morocco do so well at the World Cup. It's like tennis is great when it draws on talent pools and traditions and vistas and tournament locations from all these different and players. And I mean, look, she won places. you know, the Karen Kransky Award as well. So she's so beloved on the tour. So, so I hope liked. we have a really strong showing from Ons this year. And shout out, because she's on the cover of Vogue Arabia right now. Oh, looking yeah. like uh, Yeah. Looking like she's ready to solve some crimes. Yeah, she, uh, looks, she's she awesome. looks like a cool detective. Um, okay, well, well, so we get to the summer uh, US Open period of time. I mean, what an incredible run from Alcaraz to win the US Open. Unbelievable. This kid is so exciting, so fun. But of course, Novak misses out the US Open again because he's not vaccinated, and you know this is just the issue all year. Hopefully, this is just over with now, as far as Seems the vaccination like is. situation yeah. is concerned. But you know, Novak may have cost himself two or three Grand Slams this year, which you know clearly he wins Wimbledon playing unbelievable tennis yeah. again, beating Nick. We forgot to mention Nick Kyrgios's run at Wimbledon. Of course, he got a default in the semis over Rafa. Everyone was looking forward to that. And, and a shout out to Taylor Fritz after winning in New Wales and then making an incredible... I mean, that match at Wimbledon was... That, that could go up as one of the best matches of the year, losing to Rafa and that unbelievable five-setter. Um, but Nick, you know, showed us all that he can get through to a Grand Slam final. So look out. If he stays healthy and fit, he played great after that. He won the singles and the doubles at Washington. Um, he was a threat again at US Open. Um, beat Medvedev. Mm-hmm. I mean, just, you know, when he wants to play and he's fit and healthy... Look out. Yeah. Um, I was really disappointed in the way that he contended that Wimbledon final. I thought he talked himself out of it and gave the match to Novak. No, I think... Even... You know what his problem was? I think he finally got beat by a guy that was just fitter than him. Uh, there was one point... I can't remember when it was. It was a, set, it was a third set um, when it was really a tussle. And there was about a 30-ball rally. And I don't <laughs> remember the score. Yeah. But it was like a 30-ball rally that Novak ended up winning. And I swear to you... After that point, and I said to everyone in the room, he's done. It's over. Physically, he <laughs> was done after that point. And yeah. that's when he started getting the shits with the crowd, the drunk lady in the yeah, front, yeah, yeah, and yeah, the totally. yelling at his box. Finding, he kind of held a, it together. Finding a reason to lose. Yeah, he kind of held it together until then. I think inside of him, he knew he couldn't physically last after that. And I think that, that his default mechanism then is to get angry at everyone else. Yeah. Because he knows Find that he reason. can't. And it's, it's look, he, a psychologist could have a real field day working with him on a consistent basis to work out where it comes from. 
I, I've talked to you about this. I think he was bullied really badly as a kid. Clearly, he was, he's working with a lot of baggage, for sure. I think that there's a lot going on there, and I think when he realizes that he can't win, he gets really angry, and he, gets re he starts blaming other people instead of looking introspectively at himself. Yeah. Um, and, and, and it's not a slight on Nick. This is just I, this no, is my observation. No, you want to see the players being able to improve not only physically but also mentally and emotionally. And to his credit, he cared... I think Deeply. for the first time yeah. in a very long time. And, and afterwards, which Caitlin, I think is really meaningful and I think is a real step forward, uh, as scary as it must be for him to, you know, deeply care and then lose. Yeah. So no, I my think hope is he takes away from that, you know, some, some real progress to build on. Let's hope, given this February court date, that, you know. Yeah. He's, he's still got a few things to deal with um, he's in his personal got, life. Yeah, he's clearly got some, some stuff going on. I will on. say, Will at Washington, when I did interview him a couple of times, I was there working at the tournament, and uh, he would, you've just looked and felt like a little different guy, uh, just the way he answered questions and stuff. And I think getting to the final Wimbledon made him feel pretty good about himself. So uh, let's hope that continues throughout the next year. Um, and, of course, Alcaraz winning, unbelievable. And we know what Iga Shiontek did there by winning another Grand Slam and, and a tournament that she was not happy with the balls, et cetera. We talked about yeah, that. Yeah, winning when you're feeling great and being all the conditions are in your favor feels amazing. Yeah, I can remember Incredible. that feeling from juniors and college. Winning when you're not feeling good, when you don't like the conditions, when the surface isn't going your way, maybe the balls are too heavy or whatever they were for her. Feels good. That's really something. Um, but I guess the tournament, the US Open, is two things. It had the match of the year. There's no question with Alcaraz and Sinner. I hope we see them play, as you said earlier, for the next 10, 15 years. Two wonderful guys. I mean, when I say nice guys, I'm saying nice guys. They are both such nice kids. They say hello to everybody. They're so respectful. I did an interview with Alcaraz this year at Wimbledon, and he thanked everybody in the staff, like <laughs> the crew, the sound guys, the cameraman. He shook everyone's hand. I was like, does he know these people? Like, he just <laughs> is the nicest kid. Yeah. And... But I guess the storyline really of the US Open is Serena. I mean, what happened the first week point. with Serena was just incredible. Um, obviously for me, it was very personal. I was part of it. It was a moment that I look back on now and just think, wow, I'm just, I'm so proud I was a part of that with her, to see her from the age of 12 years of age and then to see her walk away um, from the game. And, and she had, and it was such an incredible week. I'm so glad she won a couple of matches and, and felt good about her tennis, even to the point that she probably thought about maybe I can play more, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, but, you know, look, it was just incredible. The crowd noise was just unbelievable. I'd never heard anything like it in my life, the support she got at the US Open. So it was a beautiful send-off. Um, the only thing it would have been better if she'd won the tournament, but realistically that was going to be pretty tough with lack of matches over the year. But that was an amazing uh, moment. For, for me, and I think for the tennis world to say goodbye Completely to. Right. And I think she acquitted herself exceptionally yeah, very well. She well. competed, she went down swinging, and she had, you know, I think a, a fitting send-off between on-court, soaking up the love of that crowd, yep. the sight of her first Grand Slam victory at age 19, but also having all of these amazing cultural moments, being on the cover of Vogue, having the Fashion Week appearances, and just really getting to sort of... Everything step into this moment and sort of soak it in. So yeah, I mean, looking back on it six months later now and facing a tour 
year without her and without the other famous person who well, was going to get to year. that. We Roger got to... Federer is a really interesting changed landscape. Yeah, I mean, we we hadn't had Roger and Serena around for the last like twelve months, really, other than you know Serena's magical run at the U.S. Open and that first round match at Wimbledon, which was pretty dramatic <laughs> to say the sure. least. <laughs> Harmony Tan, oh, yeah, yeah. can never forget that name. Um, but but you know Roger's send off. I mean. I was bawling my eyes out. I know you were just like, oh, I'm glad he's finally like, gone. I'm ready for this to be over. But you know, I get personal emails and Instagram messages from like people that hate you for that. The three disgruntled. Robert. Well, you know, it's a bit much. I mean, he gave so much to the game. <laughs> I love the guy. He's always been such a gentleman, such a nice person to myself personally. Um, I will miss him being around because I love that, just that magnetic walk, that just that's everything about him the most beautiful tennis player i've ever seen play uh that one-handed backhand everything about him was just classy and to see him like just crying his eyes out with rafa just bawling his eyes out it was just such a beautiful moment for men you know for, yeah, for us point. to see two great athletes realizing that the end was there and how much they appreciated each other and what they'd both gone through yeah and like, just a really beautiful emotional yeah moment. it was yeah, it was good, it was pretty amazing so sadly both of them are gone but Listen, we've got a lot more well, to look forward to. My hope is that just as you mentioned, Ash Barty is going to hopefully be doing some tennis commentating for uh, Australian networks during the forthcoming slam. We're going to have Roger at Wimbledon, I think, for the BBC. Oh, doing really? Some commentating. Is that what you're hearing? That's what I've. That's what's been reported a couple of different places. Wow. Well, it'll be interesting to see what ESPN does as well, because. Uh, I don't know if he's there for the Veeb. I mean, and I don't it? know anything. This is I obviously this is pure speculation. You all know that I work for ESPN, but we haven't. I haven't heard anything. Um, but my God, if we got Roger on some of the coverage, oh, it'd be so awesome. Um, we got to talk a couple of just little side bits. Uh, obviously, team uh, Dominic team. Let's see where he can keep going to Listen, next the year. The tennis tour is better with him healthy, competing, yeah. bringing that incredible like just doggedness. Uh, still the best tweener I've ever seen was committed at full speed by Dominic Team on clay <laughs> a couple of years ago. Yeah. And, you know, that wrist injury is not a joke. It's not Because this guy has been in the comeback process now going on two seasons. Yeah. And he had some brief glimmers. Starting to get there, home. though. I think he's starting to get so there. So let's hope for next year we get a rejuvenated team back on tour because it's better with him in it. Much better. Um, and, of course, uh, Zverev, uh, he's back as well. So, you know, two really players that we thought were maybe going to take over the mantle they're back playing you know how we both feel about Zverev and everything that happened Listen, his past. tennis is not the issue he's playing some good tennis before he went down uh with that high ankle injury in the french open yeah. uh let's see how that case gets resolved one thing that we didn't talk about can I just go back to Wimbledon? Is the run of Tatiana Maria? Tatiana Maria it's the, doing it for I the think, moms. I think if there's a fairy tale story this year, we have to give it to Tatiana Maria to make a semi-final of Wimbledon. As a mom of two, doing it for the moms. Just you know, came Love back. It. She had her second child the year before. That's awesome. We've already talked about this. She played for six months, Love which it. is why I don't think she should have got comeback player of the year. <laughs> that should have been Daria Gapalova. <laughs> We've already discussed this for all our no one would disagree Renee Stubbs tennis podcast people know, <laughs> but. Her run at Wimbledon was so magical. I've never, 
I cried every time she won. She's the nicest person in the world. Her husband's the greatest guy. Her kids are amazing. Like, there's just nothing. Her pets couldn't be Just fluffier. nothing you can't say about She's this She's got girl. a great couch. She's got a one-handed backhand. in her fridge are always cold and served over ice. Shut up. <laughs> she had a two-handed backhand and that, went to a one-handed backhand. I, mean, I respect. That is unbelievable. That I love. She chopping and slicing her way to a semi-final of Wimbledon. It. it was an amazing story. It was one of Dan Evans of... Women's game. Ten, ten Evans. <laughs> love, totally. Love you, Tatiana Marie. Uh, we love you, Tatiana. Actually, let's get her on the pod. Yeah, uh, let's do it. But, um, what else? I don't know. I Chin mean, Wen, she's going to be, Chin she's Wen. on the cover. She's going to be doing She's great on the things. cover of Racket Magazine. She's, and I remember you putting Naomi Osaka on the cover of Racket Magazine years before she was number one. Way oh, before. speaking of So, Naomi, let's just say. Where is Naomi Osaka? Dude, Naomi Osaka... One thing I want for her, and we've said this a little bit on the past podcast, the world's highest paid female athlete raking in $51 million last year. I think she raked in about $50 million yep. the year before. Yep. She's doing just fine in the bank account department. Yep. If you need to get intensive help, support, if you need to take a sabbatical, but please just do what you need to do. Because yep. for me, it's really tough to see a player who's obviously not enjoying the sport as yeah. much as she's obviously I mean, look not at Ash Barty. Look, she accomplished winning the French Open, Wimbledon, Australian Open, and said, bah. Yeah, for the second time, because she wasn't happy the first time. And I don't think she ever really loved tennis to that way. And she didn't love traveling. And she didn't love being away from her family. And um, she didn't like the pressure and all that sort of stuff. And I think Naomi is very similar in that respect. Her family life is a little bit more complicated than Ash's. But, yeah, but, um, yeah I mean, it's clear that she's not happy. But, boy, uh, you know, it'd be great if she was happy and got back on the tennis Listen, court. when she plays lights-out tennis, like that Miami run where you're thinking, oh, hey, maybe oh. she's into this again. She looked great up until that final against Iga. So I, it is interesting to see Naomi's name at the top of all these lists as earning all this money. Which, you know, look, great work if you can get it. Don't, don't, you know, don't let me talk you out of a $50 million check. But, you know, it is a little disappointing when, when she's obviously seemingly doing it for just the appearance fees or just the, uh, you know, sponsor obligations. And it's tough to reconcile that with a very, very clearly unhappy person. Uh, speaking of unhappy, what about Simona Halep? What's going on there? What is going on there? Uh, we haven't heard much, but I don't know. Apparently, I don't know. Someone's going to get thrown under the bus there. I don't know who it's going to be, but I think someone from her team is going to get thrown under the bus. And I don't know any information, so don't think that I do. But this is... Uh, I mean, I really want to make... I really want this to not be true and I just have to fall on the side of I don't believe she would take anything unknowingly yeah um, but um, do you think it could be a Maria Sharapova situation where somebody who she trusted to keep up with the stuff and the supplements I and don't the, know I mean the, listen Darren Cahill put it out that he said anything that she would take she would double and triple check every time and I believe Darren he's not going to make that up he's not going to say that out loud publicly he just he, wouldn't say anything right so I just really believe, you know, from Darren's perspective, for her, him to say that out loud, it just makes me feel like she wouldn't knowingly put something in her system to cheat. Um, but listen, I guess we'll find out at some point, but uh, at this moment in time, she ain't playing tennis. Which is really weird, because, you know, again, we look at some of the, the past greats. Naomi's not really playing much tennis. Yeah, Simona's Simona. out of the game. Angelique Kerber... I mean, mazel tov. She had a kid. Awesome news. Maybe she'll come back. We've, We've lost Andy Petkovic. We lost Andrea Petkovic, no. the most, world's most compelling tennis player. You know, it's, it's a remade landscape. Mm -hmm. And you want 
as we were just talking about Zverev and team and all these guys, you want the best cohort of players, right? You want the most competitive, most amazing melange, or at least I do. I don't mm. like when it, the, the season's a foregone conclusion. Yeah, I know. So more players playing well, being happy, exceeding. I want to see Caroline Garcia back up her great run where i think her run started when she won the french open doubles as well so anybody out there to play doubles okay get some totally get some match wins look at nick kyrgios winning the australian open and goes on a great run and garcia wins the french open has an unbelievable season immediately after that because i think it gave her a ton of confidence also i love when the players take competing for their country really seriously canada lifted the davis cup trophy this year i don't need to say that to you somebody who made a faa what a run felix ojaliasim finally breaks the curse of getting into all these consecutive finals and losing by winning, ends the season by hoisting the Davis Cup trophy over his head Incredible. with his fellow Canadians, and looks like going into 2023 season, a totally different player. Somebody who always had the talent, always had the movement, always had the beautiful technique, but maybe not the sort of stick to or big moment match play toughness. And now all of a sudden it looks like a different guy. Like that to me is so exciting thinking about, okay, hopefully these guys continue the momentum into the next year. And he's one of them. One player I think we need to have a little think about for next year that I think might have a decent run is Sloane Stevens. She was hired Francisco Roy, who was obviously with Rafael Nadal for a number of years, 20 years almost. And I think that's a big step for Sloan. He was working with Sloan a little bit at the end of last year, so I know that the US Open he was there, in Cincinnati he was there, and he was helping her. But he wasn't full, full time with her, giving her every bit of attention. So I think this is a big hire because to me it's Sloan saying, all right, I'm going to give this one really mm-hmm. good shot. Yeah. Because for me, when Sloan's at her best, she can beat anybody in the world. Easy. Um, I thought she could have won five Grand Slams. She's only got that US Open only. I mean, I'd... I take it. I take it. Sure. Um, but but I think but yeah, she when is underperformed. Well, she's she's unbeatable. She should have won the French Open the year that Simona won. Yep. So I think this is a big hire, and I think this is letting everyone know. Listen, I'm really serious because she kind of since Kamal Murray and the you know him in and out and random coaching. This is a big statement by her saying, "All right, I'm serious about this year." So look out for Sloane Stevens next year. Uh, 2023. Ooh, I hope that prediction comes true. That uh, me would too. make me very happy. Because speaking of Americans... Also, Sloane is just so great on the mic. Everything about Very Sloane. few people are as fun. She's philanthropic. She's cool. She's smart. She's yeah. funny as she hell. She went to Africa She for can like stand in holidays. there and bat it back and forth with the journos in a way that's like cool and fun. Yeah. I just... I have nothing... Yeah. She's I'm, a great I'm, commentator. Like when she's done her guest stints, she's yeah. incredible. Yeah. 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 So a, a healthy, engaged, competitive Sloane... Again, so that's my breakout for next year. And the women's, in the men's, um, we'll see. Uh, my fingers are crossed for Dominic Team that he has, you know, a great run. But I, I predicted a couple months ago that uh, maybe it's because Darren Kale's coaching him, and I love <laughs> Darren and I love Yannick. But I think Yannick Sinner is going to really surprise a lot of people next year. So I'm hoping that those two are my standouts for next year. We'll see what happens. Um, but 2022 was amazing. There was a lot of rocky moments between vaccinations, Wimbledon, the whole thing. Uh, Serena retiring, Rogers uh, retiring, but it was, a, it was a great, fun year. Great year. I want to see a few people do much better. And by those people, I don't mean tennis players. I want the tennis channel to do dramatically better. I want the governing bodies to do dramatically better. The fact that we had an empty stadium for the WTA Tour Finals was unacceptable. Yep. The fact that the schedules and the travel necessitated by the players, the fact that there's new competitions, but they're not necessarily into the fold. I, it, it's an unenviable job running a governing body in a sport. And tennis has 
with the slam countries, no fewer than seven. Yep. That said, get your shit together. Get your shit together. Because there's no excuse for this sport, which is beloved, which is growing, and which is poised to explode even further with the airing next month of the Netflix series. Yep. Breakpoint. Breakpoint brought to you by the same production company, Box to Box, that did drive. Just get drive. your shit together. Just let's get our shit together, 2023. Yeah. Governing bodies, this is on you guys. Get it together. Marketing for the WTA. Get your marketing together. I'm sick and tired of it. I've spoken to them a hundred times about this. They're marketing. I know they don't have that much money, but get your shit together with marketing. You do a, um, and I mean this with all my heart. You stink at it. Okay. The marketing for the WTA is horrendous. It is run really shoddily half the time. I think we, and, and I love Steve Simon, but we need new leadership. I believe that at the WTA. I think the ATP are doing a better job on that front, um, even though they've had their moments. Um, ITF, Grand Slams, everybody. Let's, let's get our shit together. And Tennis Channel, stop showing pickleball. It's terrible. All right, positive note, 2023 is around the corner. It's gonna bring some amazing tennis narratives. And now after our chat, I am inspired. I will go and turn on the TV and get re-engaged. I just needed a breather to reset. Because I care so much, Renee. That's why I, know. I care I know. so much. I know, we do. We care a lot. We care a lot. We care a lot. We love you guys. Thank you for listening to us. Thank you for Happy listening. Happy 2022. Hope you had a great Christmas and you'll have an amazing new year. Happy Hanukkah. All that sort of stuff. We'll see you in 2023, everybody. Bye. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.